I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, August 3, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, Despite the narrow range market that we had all day today, we have a lot on the docket. There's a lot to discuss. We're going to take a look around the horn, look at a number of charts. We're going to throw in some stuff that you're not thinking about. Later on, we're going to focus a little bit on the energy market. We're going to circle around to the bond market that I meant to discuss last week. I neglected to do so. That's coupled with a conspiracy theory. And that's more of a big picture conversation. We'll save that for later. Right now, let's focus on the daily chart of the spider. What jumps off the page? Is anything different today than was on Friday? Did the market really do anything other than they had a gap up? They're in no man's land. It's bullish. They ended Friday bullish. We talked about it in the weekend video. There are no surprises Monday morning. The market was trading up. It's the first day of the month. We've got the summer doldrum thing going on, light volume, quiet markets. The path of least resistance is generally sideways to higher. Let's talk for a moment about no man's land, what it represents, and where the market may be headed in the near term. First, we have this former high over here. We've continued to talk about it each and every day, 327.23. So they gap above it today, stay above it. That's bullish. We have to talk about the duck. The duck is, and this is the thing where if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's generally speaking going to be the duck. So here the duck is higher prices. Obviously, the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew will show up at some point in time, try and pull the rug out, get rid of some Johnny-come-latelys, little bit of a shakeout operation. We know the routine. What's a good time for that if they're going to have a time for that? Well, how about early on Turnaround Tuesday? Let's just do a hypothetical for a moment. The hypothetical is you wake up red. The conversation is yesterday was just an attempted breakout. They're failing. And what actually happens is they come down to fill the gap from Friday, maybe go a little bit lower. By 10.30, 11 o'clock in the morning, they've popped back up. The band continues playing on, and it was nothing other than a normal garden variety shakeout operation. We don't know that's going to happen. I'm just doing the hypothetical because why? Because it's turnaround Tuesday, and you have to expect the unexpected. What happens if we wake up to another gap higher? What's the real objective going up north? And by the way, before we get to the real objective going up north, let's discuss where the real failure takes place in the southern direction. How do we know if the market really is teetering on a failure, at least from a short-term perspective? What we would not want to see if you're in the bull camp. The bulls do not want to see the market begin closing hourly and then daily below 324. That doesn't necessarily mean everything unravels at that price, but that's the first sign for me from where I sit. That's the first sign of trouble. What kind of trouble? Trouble in the bull neighborhood. That would be more of a real-time intraday type of inside-the-numbers thing anyway. All right, let's focus back up north. 
So they're in no man's land. It is bullish. If you remember from the weekend video, we looked at the weekly chart. Remember the weekly breakdown candle? Remember the tail candle from now a couple of weeks ago? Now they're above that tail candle. They didn't close above it last Friday, but they were close. They were trying. Finished on the highs for the week. Now they've gapped up the following week. They're in no man's land. What's the prize? What's the objective? Well, it's the gap. Here's a gap that comes in at 333.48. We've had that on the board many times. I keep taking it off just to clean up my chart. 333.48 is the number. And it doesn't have to be all the market's going to do in the northern direction. However, would we be normally expecting a reaction in the other direction? The answer is yes, we would. Maybe it comes in a little bit higher. Maybe they come up short and have a pretty good reaction in the other direction. We've seen that many, many times before. But that general zone is on the table. It is the target. It may not be easy to get there. They may gap up there. They may gap over it one day. The whole thing is an awareness. That's the target. It's hard to believe for many traders out there. They are climbing the wall of worry But it is what it is. We've been here before. We've seen this before. It is officially and unofficially, from a technical perspective, a melt-up. You can put any phraseology to work you want. Don't fight the Fed, melt-up, wall of worry. Doesn't make any difference. It doesn't change the fact of what they're doing. What they're doing is heading to a destination. Our destination, for now, is the gap. Remember... End of July into August, we begin looking for signs and signal of a trend change. Time is more important than price. Time matches up with price. You generally get the prize. We don't know if the gap is the ultimate price destination, but in the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, we understand and we're taught how to handle this situation. How do you do that? You begin looking for signs and signal of a trend change. And when those occur at a specific price, for example, in this case, it might be the gap and it happens within an important time zone. Guess what? You've generally filled up the bingo board. Now, here's the thing that we need to be aware of. Look what's been going on here over the last few weeks. Let's just take it like this and say we've been riding the 20 period moving average in a channel. Okay, fair enough. Some will say, and they are correct, that these channels will have a tendency to break to the downside. Ultimately, that may happen. However, there's another scenario. They break out of the top side of the channel and melt up some more. The point is not to discuss the channel. The point is to discuss what this ends up to be, which is a creeping market. Forget the intraday stuff, the back and forth, the chop shop formations. Forget all that stuff. Just look at the daily chart and you see that the market's been on an upward grind. It's not really classified as a bump and grind. It's just a grind. Be wary of a creeping market. Light volume, summer doldrums, a little spark with a lot of volume coming in at the same time in either direction. Note this is good for the downside and it's also good for the upside. So either way, a flood of volume comes into a quiet market, it will run hard and fast, you'll have another short covering leg, 
if it's to the upside, and you'll take the elevator down real fast if it's to the downside. So we have to be aware it's a two-sided awareness, a double-edged sword, a two-sided coin. Beware of the current channel. It can break to the downside, but also get sucked up to the upside. So right now, the trend is the dominant thing on the chart. The trend on the daily chart, the weekly chart, the trend is up. So the trend is your friend until it goes away. The trend isn't going away anytime soon. The market can be down and the trend can still be up. Again, awareness stuff. Write that one down. It's sticky note time. Write the last couple down. Drilling down a little bit, the hourly chart. So here, we had one of those bull flaggish things in the making. The market gaps higher, so it has a flagpole in the making, and then it starts going sideways. They started trying to break out earlier in the afternoon. It was too early, and essentially, they're still in this bullish flaggish kind of thing. Now, can the bullish flaggish thing go on for a while? Yeah, of course it can. So let's just say... We're back to the hypothetical from Turnaround Tuesday, and let's say we've got the high over here, but what's to say they go like this for a while and just go back and forth, or they can still come down farther, we're on a potential for Turnaround Tuesday. Come down farther, fill the gap, the 20-period moving average will be creeping up at the time, it will be in a different spot tomorrow morning, and then what happens? You fill the gap, about 15 minutes later, a half hour later, an hour later, all of a sudden, next scene shows, and the market's back headed higher. And all they did was run down to fill the gap, turn around, find stability, and notice that the dominant force at the time will have been the trend. Again, hypothetical, but awareness nonetheless. Why do we talk about this two times in the same video? Because they do this kind of thing all the time. We don't know exactly when they're going to do it, but we have an awareness that they do do it, so when we see them doing it, we can spot it and take advantage of it. That's the way this works. What about inside the numbers? Pre-market commentary, pretty stock. I don't mean stock as in equities. I mean stock as in garden variety. They're gapping up. It's Monday morning. There's a big fat round number in front of us. We know they're headed there, but we also know they're not going to just blow up there also. But those numbers are magnetic. So let's see what else we got as the morning starts to unfold. Before the opening bell, if they drop them, we have a zone picked out where if they dropped them, we were ready to be part of the buy the dip crowd. We know the former high at 925. I'm citing 3284.50 is the former high. So therefore, being a former high, they will try to get through. But it is overhead resistance. It's a gateway that opens the door to the gap, at least the first look at the gap. First, you have the big fat round number, 3,300, and then the gap later on. They have to clear the old highs. The routine is everything right of the vertical is today's activity, five-minute chart. This is the ES chart, the futures chart, and you can see what happened. They come up short of that high right out of the gate, pull back a little bit, bust through the high by a couple of points, pull back again, and we know the way the market works. Once they get above it, what was once resistance becomes support, what was once support becomes resistance, and you can see throughout the remainder of the day what was the support, if at all, touched. 32.84.50, give or take a little bit on either side, you see at the end of the day. That is normal garden variety market behavior. 
That's bullish behavior when they come for the retest, the back test, running a test, and it still winds up to be support after it was resistance. Guess what? That's bullish behavior. Let's see what else we got. I urge you to pause the video, go back to the charts, see what's going on. Monday, today, there wasn't a lot going on. It was a very narrow ranging day. In fact, what you'll see here in the notes is it was kind of the preparation for it's going to be a range, chop shop formation. See you later. That's kind of the way the day shaped up pretty early on. We'll take a look at stocks on the move. We had a little stutter step thing going on in RCL. I took it off the table. It worked anyway. I paint by the numbers. I followed the rules. You know what happens when you don't follow the rules? What happened to me on Friday? So there was no chance I wasn't going to follow the rules two days in a row. No chance. Moving right along. So this was useful. At 1023, you'll see 328 line in the sand. There was an area, 328 and a quarter. 327.73 was the low of day. So on the first run, we expect there to be some kind of a bounce going on around those numbers. Let's scroll up a little bit more. And you see, 1045, still 328. Should be some initial support down there, at least. Same routine, different chart, SPY chart. Everything else is the same. 328 is the line running across the screen. That was support. That was the point. So therefore, moving right along. Late morning, I decide to throw up an image. Is this what they're doing? So it was the bull flaggish kind of thing, which really is what they wound up doing for the most part all day. Kind of tried to break out in the afternoon, was too early, came back in. But essentially, this is what they were doing. Still yet, moving right along. You can pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts, see everything, what happened, double check my work, See if I know what I'm doing. I urge you to do your homework. Let's take a look at stocks on the move. We had Clorox, KDP, RCL, and Lowe's. Take note of the entry on Lowe's, 3366. Interesting. Also, 227.49 on Clorox. Interesting. First chart is Clorox. You remember the number? 227.49, low of day, 227.68. First five-minute candle of the day came up a little bit short. Did have a wide spread early on. They just didn't do my number. But the takeaway is, look what happens at the number. Even if it's a few pennies on either side, you can see this is a zone. This stuff works. The numbers work. It was at a high of 234.15 minutes later. The stocks are headed for a destination. Once they reach the destination, one of two things happens. They either turn around and go back in the other direction or they stop off and hang out for a cup of coffee. What about the third thing? What about the one where they cut through it like a hot knife through butter? That wasn't the destination. That's the one where I got it wrong. You can't win every trade. That's part of the business. We know all that. It still stinks, but we know it and we have to deal with it. Lowe's, same routine. The number on the board was 3366. The low here, 33.70, four pennies. Look at that rocket ride. That's a bit of a heartbreaker. Again, the takeaway has to be the numbers work. If my number today was four pennies off, it is what it is. Sometimes they don't hit it right on the button, but the general concept is what it is. And then here's the deal in RCL. They came up a few pennies short, rallied away. I was watching it. 
they had at least the type of bounce at minimum that takes me out of the game. I don't want it. I don't want sloppy seconds. I don't want it when it comes back in after having the type of bounce that would have taken me out of at least half of the trade. Just to show you what I mean, we can drill down to a one minute chart and you'll see here the low was 46.17, six cents over the number. And then here in the next minute, they rally up to a high of 46.75. I would have taken at minimum of half the trade off the table somewhere in there. So when that happens, it disqualifies the trade when it comes back down. For me, for traders that are treating this as a business, painting by the numbers. Now let's look at it a different way. Forget how it came into the number. Now let's look at the number, the stock, and another trade where the numbers work. Sometimes the numbers work and you couldn't get a trade out of it. That's just the way it is. Sometimes you're right and you can't make money being right. But sometimes they come straight into the number, they pick up the shares, they turn around, they go on a rocket ride, and we're happy as a lark at the end of the trade. For me, this wasn't one of them. I know there are some traders that took the trade today. Good on you if you made money. I'm fine with that. This is how I do it. I teach how I do it. Every trader can do it however they like to do it. I only suggest you use the benefit of how I do it because I know what works and what doesn't work the majority of the time having made the mistakes before. I've gotten the pies in the face. The stuff that I teach tries to eliminate as much of the risk, as much of the guesswork, as much of the stuff that doesn't work the majority of the time, I try to remove as much of that off the table as possible. Can never remove all of it, but that's what I'm trying to do with these rules, with the numbers, with the painting by the numbers. We're going to take a little bit of a detour today, and we're going to talk something offline, meaning something that's not generally something we'll discuss on a regular basis. We're looking at the XLE, which is a pretty big component of the S&P, the energy sector. The reason we're looking at it is because it's lagging, and I want to discuss it. Look at the weekly chart, and when you look at this against the others, it's pretty ugly. Even if I just bring up a couple of the other sectors, here is the tech sector. We know about the tech sector. Here's the retail sector. It's a little bit misleading because... This isn't retail in the traditional sense of retail. If you look under the hood inside the sector, you're going to find there's a lot of stuff you wouldn't think of in there. They're retailers, but there's not a lot of stuff you would think of. Like, for example, Overstock, I think, is the number one holding in the XRT. I don't think that's fair. Consumer discretionary. All these charts look completely different, and there's more. All these look completely different than the energy sector, and you have to say... A, is this a tell of something that's coming? We know energy is linked to the economy big time. Everything's linked to the economy. The economy is the economy. But energy is a pretty good leading indicator of what the economic activity is going forward, meaning what the projection is, what the feeling is. Are they buying energy into the future or are they selling energy because we think the demand is going to go down? Think in terms of, worldwide not necessarily just in the u.s so there's a couple of things going on either we're talking about a potential global slowdown going into the future forget the pandemic that may be a point in time this is the bigger picture stuff this is 
We're not bouncing back type stuff. This is we were going down anyway type stuff. Now, we don't know, but this is what the XLE may be telling us. Or what's the other thing it may be telling us? And it may be telling us 10 things, but I've got one more. What would happen to the energy sector, the stuff inside the XLE, the big energy companies, Exxon, Chevron, Conoco, that stuff, and more? What would happen to the big integrated oil companies, the big energy companies, if in fact Trump loses, Biden wins, you get the left-hand agenda, which is what? The New Green Deal. Now, whatever they've already talked about the New Green Deal, none of that stuff will happen anytime soon, no matter who wins. That's not the point, right? They put a whole bunch of stuff up on the wall, and what sticks later is what sticks. But the point is, is what the concept is. The concept is, they're against the energy companies, they're for green stuff. So if that's the case, is the market telling us something into the future, into 2021, into 2022? Here's a monthly chart. This is ugly. This is in a perpetual downtrend. This is telling us that the energy sector is not bottoming. It has not bottomed. It has not finished being in a downtrend. Let's pick up a short hop and go over to the IWM. So we know the story. It was eating time off the clock above the moving averages. And now what's it doing? It's trying to break out again above 150. We've already been to 150. 150 is not the target. What's the target? 153, 154 is the next target. 152.35 is a gap, and the high is 153.39. We're just talking numbers. Any change from the outlook that we've discussed in the IWM? No change. Move it along. Transports. Anything different? No. Same story that we just discussed in the IWM. Different numbers. Same concept. Move it along. It's in an uptrend. Move it along. The Qs. We challenged the former high. The former high was 269.79. They made a new high today, all the way up at 270.15, pulled back a little bit, uptrend, nothing wrong with the tape, it's bullish, they'll make another new high and then some, unless the rug gets pulled out. How does the rug get pulled out? At this point, it has to be a black swan. What's a black swan? Something big you can't see coming. That will eventually happen. That's what will eventually turn the market, whether we're out of time today, where there's another new high, we're out of time next week, remains a mystery, but we're on the lookout, we're looking for a top. Doesn't mean it's a top yesterday or tomorrow, we're looking for a top. It's an awareness. Financials, any change? No, they didn't do anything today. Up three cents is a rounding error. They're riding the convergence of the 50 and the 20 period moving average. And frankly, we can't make hay out of this one way or the other. There's no change from what was discussed in the last couple of videos. So what do we do? We move it along. Smash Mouth, pretty good proxy or indicator for the tech space in and of itself. New highs, uptrend, nothing wrong with the tape. Same story, broken record, move it along. Bond market slash interest rates. This is the 30-year interest rate. 1.245%. That's a 30-year treasury bond. That's redonkulous. Now, we know the whole thing about the Fed. Don't fight the Fed. The Fed is flooding the market with as much money as you can imagine, and then a whole lot more. And it's driving 
interest rates down by being the buyer of any bond that moves, any bond that breathes. The Fed is all too happy to put it on the books. Therefore, every time they buy bonds in bulk, they're driving interest rates down. So interest rates were up today, but we're not talking about a one-day wonder. We're talking about the bigger picture and concept. And we've done this before, and we're obviously going to do it again. But the point that needs to be made is where interest rates are, whether we've made the low below 1% or there's another low to be made, doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things. What we're looking at is a multi-generational low likely being formed in interest rates. Think back to the interest rate highs from 30 some odd years ago. 20%, 18%, 22%, whatever the numbers were back then. They topped out and went down for 30 some odd years. 30 years is a pretty interesting cycle. Maybe it's a different number. Maybe they're not on a perfect cycle. The point is, is that to think that interest rates, A, will stay down here for years to come, and B, go lower for years to come, is preposterous. So if the Fed is essentially buying bonds, driving rates lower, then what will ever turn interest rates back up? Enter China. China is an enormous holder of our debt, along with other countries, but China is in first place. We're not really friends with China. China would like to crush us. China is fully aware that if our interest rates here in the U.S. spiked up precipitously, that would choke the U.S. economy and would take a long time to recover. And if they continued up for a long extended period of time, that would equal a long prolonged recessionary or depressionary phase in the country. There's a lot of moving parts in there and we're not going to get into it tonight, but we'll piecemeal this thing over time. The point is, is that we're addicted to low rates. We're addicted as a society to credit. Too many people in this country live on credit. Raise interest rates, take credit away. People can't buy stuff, choke the economy, vicious cycle that lasts for a while. Again, that's just absolutely scratching the surface. Nothing more than a taste test. Not a lot of data, not a lot of substantiation in there. We'll get into more of this over time, just wetting the whistle. Conspiracy Theory 7.0. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense market analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.